Hey y'all, it's Carmen. Thank you for joining me for the Let's Be Real podcast. It's such an honor to be with you each week. I'm amazed at this opportunity, the opportunity that God trusts me with his message to share with you. I do not take that lightly. So a couple years ago, and when I say a couple, it was probably more like 10 because all the years kind of run together. But a couple years ago, uh, Brian and I were privileged to lead a group of uh, some teenagers from our church to a summer youth camp down in Daytona. And um, this camp was pretty large and it was in, of course, Daytona. So we stayed in hotel rooms, but we had... um, worship services and this huge arena there at on Daytona Beach. That week of camp, there was a pretty, for lack of a better word, famous pastor uh, speaker that was there for the, was the camp pastor and, quote, a pretty famous Christian artist was leading worship that week. But the, the speaker during one of the sessions did something a little unconventional he called up every youth worker, youth pastor, youth minister, whether you're a volunteer. He called us all up to the stage and had us come up to this on the stage. So this is like hundreds and hundreds of youth pastors up on the stage. And then he had this, the guy that was leading worship, brought him out to sing, to sing a worship song. And the speaker had us turn around and watch our students worship the Lord. And that was such an awesome experience. And I don't say that lightly. It was, it was so cool to see your students that you pour into and day in and day out and week in and week out and year after year you pour into to watch them praise the Lord. It was awesome. And that kind of goes along with what I want to talk with you about today. To have an irresistible faith, we have to have some part of our life that we we sacrifice. And the Bible talks about sacrifice being a part of worship. And so that's what I want to talk to us about today. So the word sacrifice equals some type of slaughter or a payment for sin. And I know that seems kind of gory or gruesome, but... But that's really what happened. Um, In the Old Testament, God prescribed what they now call the sacrificial system. Uh, There were different types of sacrificial offerings that God set forth to be presented to him through the ministry of the priests to atone for the sins of God's people, the Hebrews. Each of these offered some type of giving up of something valuable to make amends for sins with a just and holy God. And if an animal was sacrificed, of course, that animal was slaughtered. This was the way these people expressed worship to God. Here's a quick breakdown of the different types. You can find these laid out in more detail in the Old Testament book of Leviticus in chapters one through seven, but there are five to discuss. Number one is the burnt offering. This was a voluntary sacrifice to make payment for sins in general, and it showed a person's devotion to God. Number two was the grain offering, another voluntary sacrifice 
to show honor and respect to God in worship, acknowledging that all a person has belongs to God. Number three, the fellowship offering, a voluntary sacrifice that expresses gratitude to God, symbolizing peace and fellowship with Him. Number four was the sin offering, a required sacrifice to make payment for unintentional sins of uncleanness, neglect, or thoughtlessness with the purpose of restoring the sinner to fellowship with God. And number five, the guilt offering, a required sacrifice to make payment for sins committed against God and others. And this also provided compensation for the injured party. Okay, so that is all good knowledge to have, but we are not Hebrew. So what does that have to do with us? For those in Christ, it has everything to do with us. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament lays out that Jesus, by His blood, is the sacrifice. He died once for all. Check out specifically Hebrews chapters 9, 10, and chapter 13, verses 15 through 16. Jesus is the fulfillment of that system in Ephesians 5, 2. He is the burnt offering, the perfect offering. He is the grain offering, the perfect man who gave all of himself to God and others. He is the fellowship offering, the only way to fellowship with God. He is the sin offering. His death restores fellowship with God. And He is the guilt offering. His death takes away the deadly consequences of sins. When we understand that a sacrifice for sin is what is required from a holy and just God for forgiveness of those sins, and then when we further understand that Jesus was the sacrifice once for all, including you, worship is what flows from that place. It's a knowledge that has to invade our mind, heart, and soul. The slaughter Jesus took should have been me. It should have been you. Worship is not automatic. It is not in our nature. Oftentimes, the last thing we think about is operating from a place of worship to a holy God especially if we are bound and weighed down by sin and shame. Jesus has taken the sin and shame on himself. Let's do like the writer of Hebrews encourages us when he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Why? because he was the perfect sacrifice that satisfied the wrath of God caused by sinful man. Jesus is worthy of living this type of life. The question is, will you do it? How can we worship? There are three areas that we are called to sacrifice with our time, our talents, and treasures. Through the sacrificing of each area, we offer to God worship that pleases Him, that like in Philippians 4.18, a worship that floats up to heaven as a pleasing and irresistible aroma, a sweet smell in His nostrils. Romans 12 tells us more about this. I'll read it now. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In chapters 1 through 11 of Romans, Paul lays out the foundational truths and guidelines to the Christian faith. Beginning in chapter 12 to the end of the book, Paul lays out how a Christian should behave based on the theological foundations he laid out in the previous 11 chapters. So if you and I say we are Christians, then we are confessing that all mankind is sinful, forgiveness is available through faith in Christ, believers experience life through their new faith, their centrality of faith to becoming a Christian and to living the Christian life, and apart from faith, we have no hope. If we believe all of those things, then we should have no qualms about what is laid out in chapters 12 through 15. And where does our Christian behavior start? According to Romans 12, verse 1, it starts with sacrifice. Verses 1 and 2, we are commanded to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, our very being thrown on the altar of God's grace for Him to burn up what is unacceptable. So let's think about the three areas, time, talent, and treasure. In these verses, we see that we are commanded to sacrifice our time. In verses 3, 
and then 9-21, we see this truth. We also see this in Psalm 31-15. My times are in your hands, is what Psalm 31-15 says. So what does the sacrifice of talents look like? We see that in verses 4-8 through of Romans chapter 12. Each one is given a gift, and each one is commanded to use that gift to the best of their ability. That's the sacrifice of our talents. How does sacrificing of treasure flesh itself out in our daily lives? Let's look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. It also says in verse 8, If your talent is to contribute to the needs of others, then give generously. So a sacrifice of both time and talents and treasure. We see in the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the story of the rich young ruler. And I won't read that, but go back and check that out. But this was a young man who wanted to follow Jesus. And Jesus confronted him with the question that spoke right to his heart and where his treasure lied was in his money, in his possessions. And Jesus asked him to give that up, to sacrifice it. And he couldn't. It meant too much to him. And he walked away sad. Let's not be like the rich young ruler. When Jesus asks us to sacrifice of our treasure, let's do that, knowing that he's going to take care of all of our needs. Sacrifice's effect on our hearts drifts up to heaven as a pleasing aroma in worship to God. The act of, quote, slaughtering our time, talents, and treasures and offering them to God is the catalyst to take us to deeper levels of faith with Him, which in turn will, will reflect outwardly in our countenance, making our faith irresistible to the onlooker. Get out of the mindset that worship is just a section of time and a service in your church where music is present. It could be that, but it is so much more. Worship is a lifestyle. Also, worship is not void of sacrifice. As King David admonished in 1 Chronicles 21, verse 24, where he says, I will not offer unto God a sacrifice that cost me nothing. We don't sacrifice because our sins need atoning. That has been accomplished by Jesus' finished work. But we do sacrifice as a form of worship out of a love for what has been done for us by Jesus. Sacrifice and worship always points to the fact that it should have been me on that cross, but it was not. That truth is worth worship and a sacrifice, which will all be a pleasing aroma to God. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this day. First of all, I want to thank you for your son, Jesus, that he fulfilled and satisfied the sacrifice that needed to be made for the sins of all people. I ask that you forgive us of our sins. And we know that Jesus' blood will still do today what it did then. It will cover over a multitude of sins. Help us to not continue to, to keep sinning. Help us to be willing and eager to sacrifice of our time and our talents and our treasures 
recognizing that all of those things are gifts from you and we can give those back to you. Help us to not be closed-fisted, but to open up, open up wide our hearts and our minds to see what you can do and how you can love us deeply. God, I pray that when someone sees those sacrifices of praise, they would be compelled to ask us why we do that. And then we in turn can tell them about Jesus and how his blood satisfied your justice and your wrath. Help us to remember that you love us above all else. And your son, Jesus, proves that. And we ask in his name. Amen. All right, so I encourage you this week to practice sacrifice. Actively search for ways that you can use your time, talents, and treasures. Perhaps go out of your way. Inconvenience yourself to show kindness. Get uncomfortable. Pray that God would show you someone who could benefit from that sacrifice. Remember, it is not sacrifice for sacrifice's sake. It's the act of love expressed to God who gave up and slaughtered everything he had for you. If you experience God in this challenge, I wish you would let me know. It would be so encouraging to hear how God is working in your life. All right, y'all. Thank you for joining me today for the Let's Be Real podcast. I sure hope you have been encouraged by our talk. Sacrifice and worship are not easy, but it is simple. When we offer ourselves as a sacrifice back to God, we can see clearer than ever before what His will for our lives will be. Then, just as spring brings flower blossoms, our faith will begin to blossom and fruit will begin to emerge for all the world to see. Please join me next week as we continue this series on irresistible faith. Building on surrender, sacrifice, and worship, we will break down the fruit of a growing irresistible faith. I hope you'll meet me right back here then. If you have been blessed by this podcast, please rate us, subscribe, and share with a friend. I would also love to hear from you. You can now email me at berealcarmen at gmail.com. Let me know where you are listening from and how I can be praying for you. This is Carmen. Go be real. The world needs to see it.